morning grinders welcome to the dfs pregame show here on roto grinders i'm jordan cooper aka blender ed blender hd if you want to follow me on twitter and it's tuesday tuesday june 14th we're almost a, a week away from the official start of summer aren't you aren't you thrilled it's 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 very hot here i think this this week in louisville the mid 90s and like 20 30 percent humidity it's awful here it's absolutely awful but uh, we'll be talking about baseball today, I think, right? We got no weather, right? So, I mean, if it's hot outside, that means it's good for baseball, right? We got no weather, no, no rain around the around the forecast, hot, humid, winds blowing out. We got stuff going on. We got the chat room, right? The YouTube chat, type, hey, hey, it's going to be a slow Tuesday. I need you guys to pick it up in the YouTube chat. Give me that thumbs up on your way in the door, Suki Singh here. He's always here the first, right? Matt Mears, Doug Montgomery, Daniel Hutchings. Good morning. Good morning. Hit that thumbs up button. Hit the notification bell. To know when we go live, hit the subscribe button. Hit everything. Hit anything on your screen. Perfectly fine. Uh, we're going to go more into uh, the MLB slate later. Late, later today, right? On Grinders Live. That's at 5 o'clock. And then crunch time, 6.20, which is free all season. Normally, it's a premium show. But Kevin Roth will be hosting that, and I don't, I don't think he's going to be updating us much, much about the weather. Right? It seems like everything's green, everything's hunky-dory in baseball today. I mean, it wasn't yesterday. Right? Yesterday, none of the games got postponed, but we had that tornado warning in Chicago. Then Atlanta was delayed, Atlanta and, and Washington. And, and you always have to concern yourself about the Nationals, right? There could be nothing, and there could be completely they have a cloud. There's one cloud. Right, and they delay, and then who knows what happens. And then Josiah Gray got scratched. Because, I mean, it's the Nationals. Shouldn't they have known that they were going to delay the game? He goes out for his warm-ups or whatever, and then, okay, he's not going to pitch. Okay, whatever. I had a couple of lineups with him on, on FanDuel. Uh, but but yesterday was uh, was kind of Chalk City yesterday. We go, uh, I played on FanDuel, so it was a slightly different. Uh and I had I had a bunch of the Blue Jays, bunch of the Braves, bunch of the Cardinals, but like not together necessarily. Or like my Brave stacks would have Acuna in it, right? So I have Acuna. I'd have Acuna and Arenado in like a combination Braves Cardinals, and that wasn't that wasn't good enough, right? I had a Brayu in some lineups, but then the lineups with uh, you know a bad picture, right? Josiah Gray in one lineup, you know, like oh Brayu and the White Sox and. And my White Sox lineups would have Jake Berger, who got injured. Or my Braves lineups. I think I had a Braves-Blue Jays lineup, but I had, like, Ozzy Albies, who had a fractured foot. And then some, then some one-off that didn't do well. Or not a, not a pitcher. I had a plenty of Darvish. I had a lot of Darvish. He did great. But then with, you know, some just combination of, you know, Nationals, Diamondbacks, or something like that. Uh, but on DraftKings, there were a lot. There were, there were many paths to first place. I mean, if you if the first place winner just, you know, I don't know, just smashed your head against the keyboard. Played Julio Rodriguez, who wasn't even in the lineup, for $5,400 and still won. With, even without Abreu. Abreu was low enough on that you didn't need him. But this is just a messy, you know, okay, he got two Blue Jays, but it's not like he needed Bichette. Just so happened to get enough points, right? Lane Thomas, Byron Buxton, Duran at third base, Donovan, Guerrero. He got there. But if you look underneath, just 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 like a point underneath, here you go. Here's a five man, five man socks line. Five two one, Correa, Buxton, Lane Thomas, one off, Berger with you know he came out of the game, Darvish and Manoa. You go down to the next one. Here's a Cardinal stack with Michael Chavis, who is pretty low owned. Duvall, the bottom of the the the, the bottom of the the Braves lineup did well. Like Duvall, Swanson, like nor, on normal days. This lineup would be the winner, but Aaron Nola, nope. You, you, you'd, you'd rather have Alec Manoa. If, if Danny Holmes had Alec Manoa here, right? 40, and it was only a 48-8 lineup, right? Here's a 49-8 lineup. This is a 50,000 lineup, 49-5. And here's a five-band Blue Jays stack. So in the top in the top five, within, within what, four points of each other? We got a, sock, a White Sox stack. We got a Cardinal stack. We got a Blue Jays stack. How about over here? Another Blue Jays stack with, with Manoa and Darvish. The Colts over here, White Sox, two Nationals, Marcus Simeon, one off, Aaron Nola, Alec Manoa. 
Here's another one. Here's this is a, this is a messy one. Okay, here's a, this is a more messy one. Here's Bobby Fye. Here's yeah, Blue Jays, Twins, Austin Nola, catcher, one off, Manoa Darvish. Very close. I mean, but there's going to be a lot of mess. There's, there's going to be a lot of casual players playing messy lineups, and one of them gets there. It's weird with the $5,400 guy that doesn't play. Guy that wasn't even a starting lineup. It happens. It happens. Alex Santi says, I was just out of the top 20 in the battery, and everyone ahead of me had very different lineups, but more differently than normal. Yeah, I mean, there were just many paths to get to get the first. I mean, look, is Abreu in any... Okay, yeah, Abreu was in this lineup, right? Because he, he was the highest scorer on the slate with 37, right? I don't think anyone scored higher than that. But he was only 3% owned on DraftKings. He was he was, he was was about 3% owned on FanDuel also. Say for my, like Michael Chavis wasn't owned on FanDuel, right? I, I had him as a one-off in a lineup, but of course with like, uh, with a Brave stack that has Albies and Acuna in it. Acuna has like three points and Albie is six. And it's like, God, that's not good enough. Not good enough. So like, okay, here's an Abreu lineup, right? In a stack, but not like like, like these messy one-off-y type of lineups. I I expected to see uh, Abreu in these. Like, let's, like, like, look at this. Like, this is just a mess. Got Guerrero, Swanson, Lane Thomas, just Jack Sawinski out of nowhere. Right here, this is another messy-ish lineup. Right, one, two, that is, I don't know. Hey, here's a Blue Jay stack. Here's a messy lineup. Here's a four, four, okay, four, two, something. Okay, with Alex Wood in there. Cowboys 282 with the Brave. Okay, here's a Brave stack. Duvall, Ozuna, Swanson, Walker, Darno had a home run. Right, Riley didn't get there. Darvish and Wood. Right, you replace Wood and you get a better pitcher. I mean, all, all these people in the top 20 had a striking, striking distance, you know, was striking distance of first place, 179. So many different ways. Here's a Cardinal stack. Baranosaurus Flex with a Rangers stack. It's not like the Rangers really got there. It was more that, okay, he had the right one of us. Manoa, Darvish, then Vlad and Buxton is one of us. So IH Brown, another, another White Sox, another White Sox stack. Royal Payne, his best lineup, Blue Jay stack, right, with uh, with the Tigers. I had a lineup that looked like this in, in on FanDuel. Willie Castro, and and I no, I had Javi Baez in that lineup, and he did, he got like three points. Right, but I had a lineup that had like Tappy, like the bottom kind of order, but it had Bichette in it also. So like, one of those lineups you look at, it, you go, the teams are right, but like not the right players. And you end up and you end up like 20 or 30 points behind first place. And you're sitting there going, I'm uh, I was almost right. I was almost there. I don't know how you guys did yesterday in the YouTube chat. Feel free to ask your questions. Anything about DFS strategy. It doesn't even have to be about baseball. Look across the board. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, Squirrel Patrol here did not probably did not have a good day. He he had uh, he had like forty percent Josiah Gray, right? Here you go, Josiah Gray, forty four percent, nice leverage position, right? Two percent owned, and you can't take him out of your lineup because the game locked at seven oh five, and then that whole you know rain delay for two hours, and then he ain't playing. Zero points. There you go. Done. You're done. Mike Miner was cheap. He got he got away with it, like fourteen points. He was he was he was on his way to, to negative. So I know that Mike Miner did not have. I mean, 4,714 points is pretty good. I mean, not going to win you a GPP or anything. But I know plenty of people were nervous, sweating Mike Miner. He probably should have scored negative, but but he got there enough for his ridiculous right because on uh, on DraftKings, Mike Miner was way underpriced. Uh, I'm not saying he's great. I mean, he was 6,700 on FanDuel, uh, but Lance Lynn was the one on FanDuel. Like Lance, Lance Lynn was 9,600, so I understand why he's 2% off. But on FanDuel, he was 5,500. They didn't price him as if, we, if he was coming off the IL. But it was very hard. Lance, It's very hard to make Lance Lynn lineups. 
that didn't involve you know, like playing the chalkiest thing ever because once you play a $5,500 pitcher, you have all the salary to do anything you want. So if you were trying to build lineups and you were like forcing in uh, on FanDuel like 34-5 and above, 34, like towards 50,000, uh, towards 40, 35,000, right? That's, that's what it is on FanDuel. Like you were just getting a lot of Acuna. You were getting a lot of Alvarez. You were getting a lot of Machado because you could just spend everywhere. You're getting Vlad, 5,500 for a pitcher. And you weren't getting that much diversification as far as your stacks are concerned. There's only so few stacks that could spend that much money together. Like it was all like Braves, Braves, uh, Blue Jays. Right? You're spending up for all these guys. You're spending up for Acuna and Vlad and Bo Bichette. Albies at second base, and you're still sitting there with possibly $200 in salary. So the, pro- the problem, I-, I mention this all the time on FanDuel, is that their pricing is soft enough that those cheap pitchers, like even if they project well, like you're more likely in large field contests to play those pitchers and still leave money on the table. So instead of playing an $8,000 pitcher, essentially build your lineup as if you have a $7,500 to $8,000 pitcher. Then build whatever stacks four three one four four whatever you want to do, and then replace that pitcher with Lancelot, and then leave that money on the table. Less likely to be, you know, you're going to be less correlative to other lineups that have that pitcher. Uh, Alexanti says you could win with a cheap fourteen from the SP two. Yes, not on this slate, but you but you could, absolutely could. Scorpion McScorp says MLB DFS is such a money pit. Yes, it is. MLB DFS is high, high variance. Okay? And, I mean, that's the main reason why, like, diversification. I I diversify way more in MLB than I would in any other sport. Anything could happen. I think on FanDuel, I played 75 75 lineups on FanDuel. I, I did not have more than nine lineups. With, with a four-man stack of a team. I mean, I had four-man stacks of, in all my lineups, but I think I had Braves in nine out of the 75 as a four-man, right? And then, like, the Blue Jays, I had, like, eight of them. I had the Astros in seven. Like, I go down like that, like, I'm not just going all in because it's baseball. I don't think I had I, – I, I had no pitcher more than 15% of my lineups. I had, I had 15% of Darvish. I had some Manoa, some – Alex Wood, some, you know, just kind of spread around. As long as individually the lineups are projected and leveraged properly, I'm perfectly fine with, you know, building very diversified set of lineups. But I was playing a lot like the the problem on FanDuel, I mean, based on the results yesterday, is I didn't have many lineups that had Blue Jays, Braves, Cardinals together, only because they were higher owned. So most likely, I had some, but not many. And the ones that I had had the wrong guys, right? Albies, Acuna, right? Bichette, and that type of lineup. But most of them, it's like, okay, I have Blue Jays paired with Tigers. I have Cardinals paired with Mariners. I have Braves paired, you know, with Cubs. A lower-owned team to go along with it. Just so happened that you combine them together and you were, you were, better, you were better off yesterday. Uh, Munachi says, interesting to see some of these sharp players on your screen take huge stands on someone like Nola as high as 40 or 50%. Well, let's take a look. Compare, okay, we're right here. Right, he was 41% owned at 10-1. And more, more people took, I mean, it wasn't like absurd, like Brick 75 at 56%. I mean, the people that took more of a stand on Nola didn't have as much, didn't really play much Sandy Alcantara. But Alec Manoa on, over the top, I mean, it's more the fact that they didn't play some of these lower, like you didn't see Ian Anderson in many lines. Right, the pitching on the slate wasn't that great. People went down, they paid for minor. So Nola minor, Nola minor. But if you're gonna get, if on a 10 game slate, if you're gonna be playing a lot of stacks, then why wouldn't you play be playing the chalkier pitchers anyway? Nola and Manoa were the two best pitchers on the slate. They were the two best projected players on the slate. 
and you could build stacks that even even spending almost twenty thousand a pitcher between the two. So that's why they got there. It's not. It's a. It's remember, you're not playing players. You're playing lineups. So if you're able to get if you're able to get leverage with your bats, then there's no reason not to play the the two highest projected pitchers on a slate where pitching wasn't the greatest on on DraftKings. I mean, look at the highest stone. I mean, truthfully, I think Darvish at eighty four hundred was way better than Alcantara at ten two. I mean, on FanDuel, he was 11-3. Well, I, underst- I understand these ownerships. I understand these exposures. It makes sense. If you played a lot of NOLA, you're, you're probably, if we go down, filter by position, like we take a look at a, like like this, we'd go down, like to like a Bo Bichette, like who, who the, like Ronald Acuna, Right? You could play Ronald Acuna even at, you know, 19.8% ownership. You're getting different elsewhere. Right? You Darvish, Bo Bichette, Right? Not as much. George Springer. Like some people were lower on the Blue Jays. They're just so, there were just so many combinations, even with the top teams, like the, the Blue Jays, the Braves, the Cardinals. There's a lot of combinations you can make. High projected and still decently low enough owned. It looks like Brick didn't really play much of the Cardinals. Played more of the Pirates. Look, Cabrian Hayes, 37%. Man, what was what is Brick doing? Here we go. Okay, I can't. Come on. Why isn't why isn't this going? Okay, let's. Yeah. That doesn't work the way it's supposed to. I thought I would get the, the top over here. So let's take a look. Yeah, a lot of Alex Wood, Mike Miner, 2P. Yeah, he played a ton of the Pirates. Just had a lot of the Pirates. If you're playing a lot of the Pirates, Brian Reynolds, 32%. I mean, that's that's a healthy amount of the Pirates. So if a 30-year lineups are going to be Pirate stacks and not the not not really much ownership, then why wouldn't you play Nola and Manoa? What you, yeah, you'd be playing that. He had a lot of caveat. Wilson Contreras, 30%. Let's see. Ian Happ, yeah, he had a bunch, a lot of the Cubs. A lot of Cubs, Pirates, lineups, White Sox, which is decent. Rangers, right? He kind of got, got off the some of those teams, but still played a plenty of them as probably one-offs and stuff. So don't think in terms of, oh, let me take a look at Nola. Think in terms of what their lineups look like. Like let's let's I mean we could even go. Let's see. Can we find filter by username? Let's go to Brick's lineups. Okay, here's a Ranger stack. Here's Nola Manoa. A Ranger stack, a, a five-two-one with Rangers and Pirates. But, I mean, look at the ownership of these bats. So why wouldn't you be playing the two best projected pitchers? Here's his next lineup. Five-man pirate stack. With the White Sox. And look at these. He doesn't have more than two two players that have double-digit ownership on bats. So why wouldn't you be playing? Look at the total, look at the total ownership. 131, 127, 100. Right? Only because he went down to minor because he's playing more Blue Jays here, right? Springer, 14%. Guerrero, 12, Kirk 10. But this White Sox stack is low owned here's 102.5 white socks you know if here's a four four white socks diamondbacks next lineup 92.7 right and it's only down low because he's playing two lesser pitchers because he's playing a blue jay stack right because blue jays were going to be chalky so if i'm going to play blue jays then maybe i don't play nola and manoa Here's Nola and Darvish with a pirate stack, 98.7 total ownership, 124 total ownership. Manoa, Minor, Braves, but still bottom of the order, right? 4.8% Duvall, half as a one-off, 124.6, 109.4 with a, a White Sox stack, 82.5 with a White Sox stack. So yeah, you'd be playing Manoa in this lineup. Nola Wood. 
with the look, like a Cubs stack, all these guys, look how low on this lineup. So yeah, you could play Nola in these lineups. So that's why you have to look at the lineups. You don't just look at the exposures. Oh, we play, oh, I thought Nola was over-owned at 41%. He probably was, but I mean, if you're playing the Cubs and they're under-owned, like it's perfectly fine to play. If Nola efficient ownership is 34%, but he has the highest raw projection and you're getting enough leverage with, with your, your batters, then why wouldn't you want to take the highest raw projection? You're not gaining anything more from a relative value standpoint. If you win first, you're going to win first with this lineup. If, if Nola underperforms and you play someone else at 10% owned, like you're just going to win first by more points. You don't need any more points. That's why thinking in terms of lineups and not players. That's why Munachi's asking, would you expect stands like this on a huge slate, like today with 30 pitchers available? That they're not stands, they're building lineups. Once you focus away from players and look at your DFS play in terms of lineups, you will get better. NOLA makes sense in certain lineups, doesn't in others. All right, Manoa Wood. Right, like if you're playing a pirate stack at this at this ownership, you should be playing the highest raw point pitchers. You're you're done. You got enough leverage. If you but if you're playing if you're playing, let's see, this is a this is a kind of a three two two one lineup from Brick. We could take a look at someone else. Let's take let's let's take a look at someone else. Who else were we looking at over here? We could take a look at Nerdy Tenor. Right. Let's take a look at Nerdy Tenor's best lineups. This is in the chat. He could he could he could defend himself. Right. Manoa Darvish, Pirate Stack. Total lineup ownership 110. Okay, what, what's wrong with this? This looks perfectly fine to me. It's a 5-3 lineup. Here you go. Diamondbacks. One, two, three, four. It's a 4 2 2 line, 129 with no lead. This is fine. Yeah, this looked fine to me also, right? Okay, then we go look over here. Look how look how low on look how low on this lineup is. One, two, three, four reds. Four reds and a bunch of a bunch of ones. Uh, no, four two. It's a four two one one lineup with Chris Flexen as the SP2. Why wouldn't you play like if if I showed you? This lineup without the top person in, right? If I just showed you this lineup right here and you go, okay, you can play any pitcher up top. Why wouldn't you be playing the highest raw point projected pitcher? You'd look at this lineup and go, dude, if the Reds go off, right? And, you know, Goldschmidt has a good, like if basically if the Reds go off, with these 1%, if Tommy Pham has 26 and Senzel has 26 and Oki hits a home, I mean, you'd, you'd be sitting there going, why aren't I taking the highest raw point pitcher? You have you have all the leverage you need. Flexen has a decent game, 2.1%. Like, it wouldn't matter. It's like, oh, well, he's over-owned at 41.4%. He's the high, but he has the most raw points from a projection standpoint. You're already at, you're, you, you've, give, you've given up enough projection by playing the rest of this lineup and your ownership is way low maybe even too low it's like so you do you need any more leverage no so no lift should be in this line here's another one with the pirates right at this ownership level why wouldn't you be playing nola nola manoa with a bunch of single digit owned batters here's twin stack Right, 108, but now you're playing Darvish and Ronnie Garcia because you're playing, only, look, you're playing two of the chalkier one-offs, right? Even though you're playing the Twins as a stack, this is a 4-3 lineup, but look, you're playing Buxton, you're playing Tyler O'Neill. I get why this lineup wouldn't have no leverage. This one is missing players. Apparently, apparently, we're missing a pitcher here. I don't know why. Maybe this is a Josiah Gray lineup. It didn't show up. I don't know. Here's Nola Darvish with a 1% Mike Moustakis. So look at the total lineup ownership. You have Yepes in there. 
right? A four, two, something. No, it's a five, it's a five, two, one. But Darvish is 15% owned. So in general, this lineup is fine. So if you go and you start making lineups, what should these lineups look like? Then maybe you end up with 40%, 50% Aaron Nola. Because you're building a lot, lot more lower owned stacks and bats. You're not doing popular combinations. Like, I don't know what his Acuna lineups look like. If he had a new here's an Acuna line. But if you're playing Acuna, Bichette, a Cardinal stack, like maybe you don't have Nola in this line, right? He's already 119% total ownership, which isn't the be all end all. It's just a, it's a blunt way of looking at things. You go, okay, this lineup, if you put Nola in instead of Alex Wood, and obviously you have to change some things around, you're adding another 20. 25% in ownership, and that may be too high. Now you have too much ownership in your line. Right? Here's a Braves stack. Braves, Braves and Diamondbacks. And look, you're playing a lot of correlated players that are double-digit owned. So you play Wood and Garcia, 104.2. Right? You change it, you change this to Nola plus minor or something like that. And this 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 lineup is potentially too high owned for their projection. Doesn't mean it can't win. It could win. But it's probably less EV than this lineup because you're playing different pictures because you're playing a chalk stack. It's not, these aren't complicated concepts. Daniel Hutchins says, I've wagered over 850,000 on MLB so far this season. I'm down 800 bucks. That isn't that bad. Hey, you'd rather be down more? If you put the $850,000, just put things into perspective. If you obviously, when you're wagering on $850,000, you don't have $850,000. You're wagering, you know, you know, five to $10,000 a day and churning that. But imagine you need to imagine the start of baseball season, you put that into Bitcoin, right? Or basically anything. Everything's going down. There's no energy stocks. I think that's the only thing that's going up. So put that into perspective. You're only down, you're down $800 when you could be down, you could be down 50%. You put it in Bitcoin. Alex Santi said, I hated NOLA lineup build, so I went down the wood for more EV. I unfortunately built with Thompson. On, on DraftKings? So wood plus Thompson, I don't know. I don't know about that. I would have to take a look at the lineup to begin with. If you're playing a chalk stack, I guess, maybe. But that's the concept that, I mean... As long as you get that concept, this is the concept of all of DFS. What is the relative value of your lineups? Do you need to know an exact number? No. I'm not trying to teach you how to do it by an exact. I'm not, we're not going to have Daniel in here, you know, running, running his, his supercomputer or whatever. It's not a supercomputer. And let it decide and do all those calculations. Whatever. You don't have that. Who knows what he's doing, but is accurate all the time. You know, you may not know that. Like, how could you do it yourself without having a supercomputer? Well, think conceptually. How do I build a lineup that has a high, as high a projection as possible, reasonably, with as low ownership as possible? As long as you have an accurate way of determining those two numbers. Projections, I mean, they're ranges of outcomes. So obviously in baseball, the variance on that is is, high, is extremely high. But if you have good ownership, it's like, okay, should I be playing a lineup that has this much ownership with that much projection? That that that's the name of the game. And once you find once you find that good balance, you could probably find thousands of lineups. Now, obviously, in baseball, you benefit from correlation. How much is that correlation worth? compared to the projection and the leverage of your line. It's those three levers of DFS. It always comes back to the three levers. Projection, correlation, and leverage. And you're just you're just milking the you're milking the cow. Right? Cash games, if you're playing double ups, you just you're just taking that projection lever and you're just jamming it up. 
If you're playing small field GPPs, you're probably jamming the projection not all the way up, putting a little leverage, and then maybe jamming the correlation all the way up. Possibly. Just pick two teams and hopefully you get it right. You don't have to be perfect. Then the large field GPPs, you need to, what, where's that balance? You don't mind sacrificing a bit of projections, much more projection than you would, as long as you're getting the appropriate leverage with it. That's it. And that's why that's why you subscribe to Rotogrinds. We'll give you we'll give you the numbers, or at least more accurate numbers than you could come up with yourself. So you should you subscribe to Rotogrinders. Get the combo premium package. You get all the sports. Right, we got NBA playoffs going on right now. Got PGA. The U.S. Open is coming up. MMA slates every every Saturday. We got uh, when when soccer comes back for the Premier League and Champions League. Got soccer stuff. NFL. We'll have preseason NFL stuff. We, we got everything. So click on the link in the description. You get $10 off your first month. And you get all the content to go with it. We have, you know, obviously Cheese's Million Dollar Musings. That's 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 in premium. You get all the ownership. You get all the all the player projections. You get the the, the top stat, the, top, the the Slate IQ tool, right? The, the smash the team smash percentages for FanDuel and DraftKings. Get played IQ if you want to deep dive deep into stats. We got all of that also for MLB. But we got the numbers for you. If you want to change the numbers, change the, that. That's perfectly fine. Some people are like, oh, I don't think that ownership is right. So change the number. But once you assign a num a numbers to the players, then you don't need to care about the players anymore. Now you're just building lineups based on those numbers. That's it, right? I put in, I press the optimal button. Right, the top projected lineup based on the bat as of eleven twenty eight, one twenty six point four nine median, seventy nine percent total ownership. Only because I think maybe some of this is off. Coors is going to be popular in here, right? I also think that uh, we may have a a Wrigley win game to go along with it. So that's why you know we get a little bit more, a little bit more Cubs in San Diego in our line. Right, we take a look at the San Diego, uh, Chicago Cubs game. The bat loves regularly wins, loves regularly wins. So the ownership isn't there yet. I'm assuming that that's gonna that that'll by by later in the day that'll that'll all get rejiggered. So you take a look at this: 126 points and 79.96 ownership. Some of these players project better than the cores play. So why would you play those lineups? You're you're just you're just comparing projection to ownership. What is the balance? You don't want to play the highest owned lineup in large field GPPs. You're sharing too many points with other people. You don't want to play the lowest owned lineup in the entire field because that lineup probably projects very poorly. Right? There's a reason why players are owned more than others because they're they're more inefficiently priced for their projected output as a median. So if you're playing a lineup that has all 1% owned players, they're 1% for a reason because they're Poorly projected for their price. That's why only 1% of people are playing them. Can one of them have an outlier result? Of course, but it's very rare if 10 of them do. They're probably not playing them all together. So you're not playing the highest owned lineup. You're not playing the lowest owned lineup. You're not playing the highest projected lineup. You're not playing the lowest projected lineup. You're playing somewhere in the the middle. And dependent on the size of the field that you're playing determines how much balance you're looking for. Smaller field contest, do you need to give up 20 points in projection for a low-owned lineup? No. Large field GPPs, much more viable. You played that too too low-owned lineup, too low-projected lineup in in smaller field, single entry, three max, those types of contests. You'll get leverage, you just won't win often enough. When you win, a lot of times you'll win and you'll win by 20 points. Right, because you didn't need all that leverage, and you and you win five grand, right, in the in the contest, but you cut, but you you you, you miss the cash line ninety five percent of the time, and you don't win often enough that if we replayed this out a hundred thousand times, you'd be down money, even though you do win every so often. And then on the other hand, if you play a lineup that's way too high owned, way too high projected, it's like oh, you cash a lot more often. But you rarely, you rarely ever win this. 
So you get a lot, you turn, you turn your $20 or whatever, whatever, like $12, you turn it into 18 a lot or 24 a lot or 30 a lot. Not a lot, not like 90% of the time, but more often than other entries in the contest. But since there's a rake involved and you rarely ever come in the top 10, at the end of 100,000 times, you're down. And you may be down the same amount of money as the guy that's building the too low owned lineup that wins every so often. They either wins or comes in last place a lot of times. Ends up with a very similar expected value. So you're looking for the balance of that. A-Rock asks, do you still stack in cash or do more one-offs? Well, I, I'll, I, I'll ask you a question. If this, was, if this was a Discord, I would ask you. It's like, what is your goal in cash games? What is your goal in cash, in cash games? Head-to-heads, 50-50s, double-ups. Coming in first and coming in 10th in a 22-man double-up? Get you the same amount of money. Okay. What does correlation add to your line? If you raise that correlation lever, what is that doing to your lineup? That is adding variance to your line. Right. I'm going to play five guys from one team. So what happens if the team does bad? Well, most of the batters do bad. What happens if the team does good? Most of the batters do good. You're adding variance to your line. When, where is variance good for your line? Well, in progressively pay out structure contests. Where if one guy does well, then the next guy is more likely to do well. And this guy's more people on their team. The batters on their team are more likely to do well. Which means their range of outcomes start, starts getting wider. Your lineup's range of outcomes start getting wider and wider and wider and wider and wider. Now, in a contest where you're looking for as high of a result as possible, you want to add variance to your line, right? Because you're not looking at minimum cash, right? By having a low, you know, narrow range of outcomes, you want the wider range of outcomes. In cash games, is there a value in coming in first versus coming in 10th in a 22-man double-up? If you're playing 100-man 50-50, do you get any more money from coming in first than coming in 50? No. Your goal is to optimize to come in just the top half. Right, you don't need any more points. Any more points that you get past there are worthless. Right, if the cash line in a double up is one thirty four and you have two hundred and ten, what are those extra seventy points doing for you? Nothing. They they didn't count for anything. So adding variance to your lineup is not a. It, you, you're looking to reduce the variance of your lineup, if anything, in cash games. In cash games, you're typically just playing the highest projected lineups, meaning or one of the highest projected lineups. And sometimes based on the pricing, that involves having several players from a, a single team if they're undervalued. But typically in cash games, typically, typically, if you're going to play MLB cash games, which are high variance as it is, I, I, will, I will show you Okay, I'll, I'll start from scratch just to show you my cash games. If I did play MLP cash, I do once in a blue moon in the past. I just, I just think that the edge in cash games in MLB is so small. But that depends on what volume you're playing. If you're playing very low stakes, yeah, I guess it's, it's just not worth my time to do that. And also, I can't play a lot of the lower stakes contests anyway. But if you're if you're playing cash games, it's a it's a it's a I'll show you I'll show you my cash. I'll, I'm being 100% transparent. Okay, I will show you exactly. I mean, literally exactly on this slate. I'll even do this slate. So if you want to clip this, if you want to just you know get get close, turn everything off. Turn everything off. If you if, if you're if you're driving, if you're driving now, and you're and you're listening to this on audio or something like that, I would suggest you pull off. So I'm gonna I'm gonna show you my cash game strategy that has been profitable, right? In MLB, and this is the, and is to be quite blunt. I pretty much do the same in NBA also. Okay, so this will teach you a lot of things. NFL. This may be the most important lesson of them all. Okay, 
I'm going to show you exactly my cash flow stats. Exactly. I'm going to go through it all. It doesn't matter. I know it's 11:40 a.m. We this may go. This may, we may we may be here for a while. Okay. So hunker down. Hunker down. Get 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 get. get. If you have if you have to walk your dog, go ahead and let him out. Right. Your kids are crying or something like that. Put them down. Like, yeah, 110 percent. 110% attention to this, okay? This may be the most important thing you ever see. I rarely do that. I rarely show you my cash game process, okay? I rarely ever, okay? And it's, and it's, gonna, it's gonna blow your mind because no one's gonna show you this, okay? Am I selling this enough? Most of the regulars know exactly where I'm going, okay? I, just, I, I expect in the chat people are to be like, like, yeah, yeah, we, 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 we've, we've seen this bit before, right? I've done this bit before, okay? So what I would do, okay, for my cash game strategy, very simple approach, okay? I'd bring up line of HQ, okay? Or what, wherever, I mean, if you could use another optimizer, right? I select my projection source. I use the bad X projection. You could use whatever projections you want. You like if you build your if you have your own projections, build your own projections. That's fine. You want to use the plate IQ projections, use the plate IQ projections. You want to use someone else's projections, whatever, like that. Just load in, load in your projection source. That's it. Okay, into an optimizer. Doesn't even have to be lineup HQ. I use lineup HQ. Okay. Now, being that you now understand the concept that in double ups and cash games, you only have to come in the top half or so. You're optimizing for that. So you're optimizing for like a 55th percentile outcome, right? The weird thing about these, these projections here, these are median outcomes. These are median projections, 50th percentile projections, right? So if you're optimizing for the 50th percentile in a contest, you probably should be optimizing for 50th percentile outcomes for your players, which happen to be the exact numbers that are in here, okay? So if I want to, if I want to have the highest chance at getting a 50, 50th percentile outcome for my entire lineup, whatever the highest number is out of all these, that's sort of who I play, okay? So here's my process. I load in my projections and then I go and I press the button that solves the knapsack problem of how do you jam in as many fantasy points to your median fantasy points into your lineup as possible with the positions and the salaries that are available to you. So I click that button and I get this lineup and I enter it. Cease, Cole, Contreras, Void, Marcano, Wisdom, Kim, Grissom, Trout, Acuna, as of the 1128 projections. There you go. There's my cash in process. That's it. You're done. You're done. That's it. You're done. Right? Did I have to look up anything? No. I don't even have to. I, I don't. Dude, I could show this to someone that's never even played baseball. No, it doesn't even know baseball. You're going to have projections. You're going you're gonna to play the top projected line. There you go. Another way to do it is to play the highest owned line. If you have, if you have good ownership projections, if you're playing low stakes, just play the highest owned possible lineup. Now you can't do that in lineup HQ without hacking things by putting the ownership column in the, the fantasy points column. But you could do it that way also. If you're if you're playing in a way where it's like, I don't I don't I don't care about the player projections. I just don't like how do I share as many points as possible? That relative value that I I was talking about in GPPs, you want the most amount of relative value. You want more points that you have that the field doesn't have. In cash games, you almost want the opposite. How do I share as many points with the field and let the people that don't share the points make mistakes? You could play that way by playing the highest own line. Or the differences between the top, this top projected lineup, if I just went and just like five or 10, let me, let me put 10 lineups in. All right, let me go to build rules, make sure I get like nothing. Number of unique players, one. It doesn't matter. Salary doesn't matter, whatever. Let me just build 10. There's no stacks. There's no nothing. 
So here's the top lineup, 126.49. Here's the second lineup, 126.48. Okay, the difference is, there's a, what, it looks like a 3v3? Right, okay, so the difference between these two lineups, Cease, Cole, Contreras, Voigt. Okay, those are similar. Kim is similar. Grisham is similar. Acuna is similar. So basically, it's Marcano, Wisdom, Trout versus Harrison, Ramirez, Gonzalez. So it's a 3v3, yet the difference in projection is 0.01. Okay, this one is higher on. So like you could play either of these two. Look how close in projection they are. This one's 126.36. It's lowered by 0.12. If you decide you want to play this lineup instead, that's fine also. Any of these lineups. If you want to play any of the top 10, you're like, oh, I can't play this guy. Okay, well, you, you look through and you go, I don't want to play two Pete, uh, Marcano in my lineup. Okay, then play a lineup that doesn't have Marcano. Play the next one. If you wanted to do that, the difference between the lineups is so marginal. And if you're thinking in terms of relative value, maybe the second lineup that has Jose Ramirez at higher ownership, maybe prefer that. Like, so I don't get burned by Jose Ramirez. And the difference in fantasy points is bare, nothing practically. Point all one. I choose this one over that. If you played this out 100,000 times, it probably, it most likely would not matter which lineup you choose. Right? Over 100,000 trials picking any of the top you could probably pick any of the top 20 or 50 randomly and played it and you randomly picking one of the top 20 lineups optimally out of out of your projections in double ups or 50 50s if you simulated that out you're like okay i'm gonna you have the results you play an entire season out and then go okay well what happens if i randomly choose that again and play it all out and randomly choose it again and play it all out, and randomly choose it again and play it all out over 100,000 times, <coughs> you're probably going to come out with about, about the same ROI. So from a cash game strategy, that's all you're doing. Some people say, I'm just going to play the top optimal out of my projections as of 7 o'clock at night. Uh, and that's it. And do that every day for every slate. Some people pick their lineup. They go, well, maybe I'll play this Josh Jose Ramirez lineup instead, right? They'll they'll look at the top 20 or something and they'll pick the one that they want because they know the differences between the, the top 20 lineups, maybe nothing, barely, any, barely anything to worry about. So they're going to put their own. Well, I, some people do it by ownership. Some people just like, okay, I'd rather have this than that. Right, I, well, but I don't like this lineup. Can I find another Jose Ramirez lineup in the top, whatever? Right, here's Ahmed Rosari. Maybe I play this lineup. Right, the difference in projection is another point four, point two, very small. And I'll play this lineup instead. That's perfectly fine. But some people, they build. They go, let me look at the top twenty lineups, and then go to random.org. Right, you go to random.org. Right, we have that those ten lineups in front of us. Okay, where's random.org? Lowry. And you go, and you go, okay, one to one to 10, right? Generate. Nine, then you play the ninth one. You could do that way. The differences between that is probably not going to matter. In the long run, this is what happens when you're playing cash games. You're, you're, up, you're optimizing for 50, 50th to 50, 55th percentile outcomes. And that's what project, that's what media projection is. So why wouldn't you be using the numbers that you have in your projections? Well, what happens if any type of objection to that is that you don't trust the projections and that's perfect, then fine. Then don't use any numbers. Good luck. Good luck to you with that. Building with no numbers whatsoever. Now, once you put once you put numbers on a player, then you don't need to worry about the players anymore. Nick DeVore. So for GPPs, you build lineups by using ceiling scores. No. You don't, you, I mean, you can. Most projections have players normally distributive enough that the differences between your lineups by building by median and building by ceiling are not going to be dramatic. 
whether or not you use the median or the ceiling will not matter. I can't say it won't matter at all, but it won't matter much. That's not the, oh, once I do that, everything changes. No, it's not. It's not. Now, if, if your projections aren't as normally distributed, then it would matter. It would matter more. Most, most industry projections are developed by Monte Carlo simulations, and they tend to be much more normally distributed than the player actually is. That's one, that's one of the, the, the biggest faults of projections. And, and, and in this day and age of DFS, even, even in 2022, you could still get away with this. But guys like Rugnet Odor do not have normal distribution, right? Not every, every player does not have the sta same standard deviation or what their distribution looks like in outcomes. Now, they're more normally distributed than like PGA and MMA than more binary sports. NBA is the most normally distributed. So if you're coming up with, if you're simulating outcomes in a, like in a Monte Carlo style method, player by player method, based on, you know, some regressed distribution of outcomes over the past, God knows whatever amount of data set you have, it's going to more likely come out to be, it's going to more likely look like a bell curve, like a hump curve or whatever. What do you want to call it? Not, is it a bell curve? It's a bell curve. It's going to look like a bell. But I can tell you that Rudin Odor doesn't have these outcomes in the minute. When he's projected for seven points, he doesn't score seven points. His, his outcomes look more like the reverse belt, like the liver, like a crack. They look like the crack belt most of the time. Most of the time, most of the time it's cracked. But for building for cash games, you know, who cares? If you want to remove those higher standard deviation players because they truly don't have a normally distributive, uh, you know, outcome set distribution, that's perfectly fine to say, like, ah, oh, do I want to do I want a guy in my lineup in cash games that scores zero or fourteen and then nothing else? Even though his median is seven, you could do that also. But over a hundred thousand times, you'll have that guy'll hit a home run and save your lineup. And sometimes he won't help score zero and kill your lineup. Right. So over the long term, it's still perfectly fine. That's why cash games are boring. I'm not talking boring from a payout perspective, like that. There's no cash game strat like strategies. In the higher stakes, there's a, there's a little bit more give and take. Pe people have very similar information. The higher stakes, most people know. They'll go, okay, if, if this person, if, if you're using these projections, this is what the lineup is going to come up. Or it's going to be one of these two. How do I exploit people that use those types of lineups? And then you, you could actually make more money, especially in like triple ups or quintuple ups. People do that. They know the information that other people are looking at. But if you're playing low stakes, playing the highest projected or the highest owned lineup, typically all you're doing by doing that is saying, let other people make mistakes. So as long as you're in contests with people that make mistakes more often than you, you, you profit. So those $1, those $1 double ups, $1.50-50s on FanDuel, the $2 100-man 50-50s. Like the, fan, the FanDuel 50-50s are, I consider to be the easiest cash games in every sport. Sub $5. I'm talking about the $2 ones, the $1 ones, the 50-cent one, whatever. They go down to even that level. So if you're playing any NFL, NBA, MLB, if you want to grind out a probably a 7 to 10% ROI, maybe 12% even, in football, you could do 15 to 20, but you only get like what 18 weeks of that, 18 slates. Even though you could play the afternoon slates, you could you could you could do more. You could grind out 10 to 15 percent at that level by just doing this on average in the long term, right? But what does that account for? I mean, like how much money can you get down at that level? 200 bucks, 300 bucks max, something like that. And at a 10 percent ROI, that's what 20 or 30 bucks. Which is fine. If, you, if, if you're playing on a small bankroll, that's what that is literally what you should be doing. You should be doing that. No problem. 
you're playing five thousand dollars a slate. I mean, number one, you probably you probably can't even see those contests. And what an extra twenty or thirty bucks is it worth the time? You're playing other contests. You're not you're not focused on that. So if you want if you want to have a nice anywhere from five to fifteen percent return, somewhere in that range, low stakes, just play those contests. Okie doke. So we, we learned some stuff today, right? Even though, I mean, I've, 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 I've said this stuff before. I've taught this stuff before, right? All of this is in the theory of daily fantasy sports. 15-hour audio DFS masterclass. How to think like a professional DFS player. It's all, this, all these types of concept, concepts. And it doesn't just apply to baseball. That's, that's the whole point. I teach conceptually that you can win in DFS in any sport, that the sport doesn't matter. If you, if you you look if you look across the lobby, you look and go, oh, this guy wins in all these sports. It's, it's not because they just know all those sports; it's because they play the game of DFS well. So go get it. Theoryofdfs.com. I will teach you all of these concepts, or you could watch all the past videos of the pregame. You could this show. You started from the beginning, watched all like 300 plus hours, you'd probably get it all anyway. You could do that as well. Draw face 23, Blender, do you play MLB cash games or it's not for you? It's not worth the investment for me, no. If I'm going to put in the volume, I'm going to put it in, in, in GPPs. It's an, it's an allocation question. It's not whether or not it's worth it. It's not whether or not it's not profitable or not. It is profitable. But a very small, like very small. So am I going to put? Am I going to put five thousand dollars a day for high variance and a one to two percent return versus playing a thousand dollars only, or don't doing five thousand dollars in something that has a 10, 20, 30 percent return? No, I'm not. I'm not going to put it into that asset, especially with the swings being so high. That's why I don't play MLB cash. And also MLB cash games don't tend to have many, many weak players. Not many casual people play cash games. That's why I said, that's why I pointed out the fan, the low stakes fan duel 50 50s. That would, that would be your best shot at finding weak opponents. So you could do that in NBA and you could do that in NFL. So if anything, you do that for MLB also. But the problem is, there's only so much, so much volume of that. So if you're if you're playing on a on, on a small bankroll, that is what you should be doing. On a large bankroll, that's only going to represent a very small percentage of your play anyway. So it's not it's not a priority. And you get to a certain point where you can't even see those contests. They restrict you from those contests. So if you're going to pl- be playing the twenty five dollar double ups, fifty dollar double, if you're going to be playing anything five dollars or up. I don't even think MLB cash games did mostly trading rate. But the low stakes, you could easily just basically jam projections and you're probably going to show a, show a problem. Okie doke. They'll be going over the MLB slate today. we got a big slate tonight. Uh, I'm not going to be playing it. I'm going to, I'm going to see Hamilton, right? Not, uh, not on Broadway. It's the touring company here in Louisville. So I'll be going, going to that tonight. Programming note. There is no show tomorrow. There will be no show tomorrow. So hand klaxon, do the siren. No show tomorrow. I, I needed to make a, a dental appointment for tomorrow that I made yesterday. Um, you get to get one of these, one of my teeth checked out. And of course, I have a dentist that closes at two and never has a put never has afternoon appointments. So anytime I need to go to the dentist, I typically can't do this show. Like, oh, can you come in at 1130? Like, is that the only, you can either come in Wednesday at 1130 or we don't have an appointment for you for three weeks. So it's like that type of stuff. So it's like, okay, I guess, guess no show tomorrow. So no show. So give me, give me, give me an extra thumbs up, right? Give me, make sure to thumbs up, like, like the video on your way out the door to make up for tomorrow. But uh, hit that notification bell because you'll know when Grinders Live goes live today, five o'clock. They'll be going over the MLB slate. 6.20, crunch time. On the same stream, right? You don't even have to go anywhere. You're watching Grinders Live, you watch crunch time. 
Lee Roth and the guys going, going, you know, take you right up until lock of the MLB slate. And, uh, and I won't be here tomorrow to review it or anything. And I won't be playing it. So good luck to you. Feel free to win all the money. I won't be in the contest. You win all the money. I, I wish you all, all, all the best, right? We're not competing against one another. And then I'll be back Thursday, right? I'll be back Thursday and answering your DFS strategy questions, like I always do. On the DFS pregame show, on rotogrinders.com. 